morning, Mr. White. How are you? I am very, very well. I'm excited to be here. How are you? Living the dream as always. And we have a super special guest with us today for this episode. We have Sharice Mullen joining us. How are you, Sharice? I'm well. Thank you so much for including me in this fantastic podcast. Love it. We can't wait to tell your story and hear more about you. Uh, so let's just let's just get right into it. So uh, Sharice Mullen is uh, alumni from West End State School. She went to primary school at West End State School. She went to Brisbane State High School uh, for her secondary schooling, and then she went to the University of Queensland for her tertiary education. What degree did you do there, actually, uh, Sharice? I did a communications degree. Actually, I started journalism, and I didn't really enjoy it that much I've got to be honest and so I switched to more of a a communications and government um, slant. Which is which is serving you very well so uh, Whitey tell everybody more about Sharice and her her career. State member a state member for Jordan in this in the uh, Western Corridor South East Queensland since 2017. Uh, This follows a career of over 20 years in the public and private sectors working across a range of industries with a particular focus on planning and development, transport and infrastructure, a terrific grounding in representing one of the fastest growing electorates in Queensland. She's previously held positions on a number of boards, including government and superannuation, and she is currently the Assistant Minister for Treasury. Charisse lives in Springfield with her husband, two teenage daughters, and Charlie, their energetic Labrador. Fantastic. <laughs> Welcome, Charisse. How, how are you? Good, really good. Thank you. I need to kick off with, um, so obviously I've been in education for over 20 years and so Sharice is um, um, the state member for the school that I am in and actually the last two schools that I've been been in. And I, in my 20 years in education, we've had a lot of politicians pop into schools, make a, making a, a kind of an appearance and then leave. Uh, and Sharice has uh, changed my opinion on politicians, single-handedly has changed my opinion on politicians. And I believe that, oh, I know that Jordan, the, the, the area that we're in is in great hands because Sharice is, is shepherding uh, that area. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we had more politicians with the same kind of values and morals and care for their community that Sharice demonstrates on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, then I think that Australia would be in very, very good hands. So from the bottom of my heart, Sharice, oh. you're... Um, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're an absolute delight and, um, and hence why it's so wonderful to have you here. I know that Sharice cares about schools and teachers and students because we see it on a daily basis, not because she pops in every now and then at those big events to make a speech and then run out. She's she's there. She's just there constantly. She's what She wants to know more. She wants to engage with people. She loves people. So tell us, who was um, the teacher that positively impacted your life? Um, so... I had a bit of a disrupted start to my schooling in primary school. So even though um, I settled in West End State School, I was born in Sydney and grew up uh, overseas for a little bit of time. So I, I went to school in Greece uh, for a few years and then came back um, and didn't speak any English. And so I had to kind of learn the language again, um, which was really interesting for a kid who was doing really well in school over there, over there and then comes back and then 
no one can understand me. <laughs> and so that sort of, I just wanted to sort of preface that because uh, it really did impact, I guess, those early years of my of my school life. When I was at West End State School, really settled in well there, lots of kind of migrant kids as well. So we had a, lots of Greek kids, lots of um, Vietnamese kids at the time as well, um, and really found, found my niche. Um, my, the teacher that really, though, had the greatest impact on me was, um, was Robert Ma, Mr. Ma. Um, and towards the end of the previous year, we used to get told who our new teacher was going to be for the following year. And I remember Mr. Ma had this real reputation for being quite strict. Like, a, you know, everyone was like, oh, you don't want to get Mr. Ma. Oh, no, Mr. Ma, like, oh, he he's terrible. You don't want him. So I, we got him. So I spent like the six weeks before starting school going, oh, no, I've got Mr. Ma. What am I going to do? Like, you know, this is going to be terrible. Anyway, turned out to be the most incredible teacher um, that I could have ever um, had and just really um, went beyond what I thought a teacher was would was and 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 did, um, and I think that that's partly why I was so inspired by him. Yeah, it's beautiful, you, doesn't it? When teachers and, go the and, extra step um, and and make that connection with you. So, yeah. what did you learn from Mr. Ma that you use today in your career? Yeah, so I think. One of the things I think that Mr. Ma really instilled in me was this idea that you've got to you, you to question, you know, to question everything. I was naturally curious, and I am naturally curious, I, and and I, I bring that to the role uh, that I have now. So when someone tells me something, I don't go, "Oh, well, that's nice." Like I really want to delve into it, like what, why, and you know how, and what's that about? And I really think I learned that from from him and the way that he taught us um, at the time. So, you know, I think back and I go, wow, like he, he did, we did all of curriculum, <laughs> like we learned what we had to learn, but then we learned all of this extra stuff. Um, but he was really big on questioning, you had, you know, question things and, and um, challenge yourself and, and don't accept, um, you know, what people are saying necessarily, not, not in a mistrustful way, but just really question what 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 they're saying and and find out more and be curious about life and I think um, that uh, is something that he really kind of taught me um, in that in that year that that I was fortunate to have him as my teacher and does he know the impact that he had on you well yeah like it's really interesting um so he was my grade six teacher then I had a grade seven teacher who actually I didn't really, I didn't really like. Um, and I think that's the problem. Once you've had this incredible teacher, then everyone else just, you know, it's just not, it's probably unfair to that poor teacher when I think back now. Um, but I got through high school, loved high school, um, really uh, embraced everything that high school had to offer, got to university. And when I sort of started uni, um, first in my family to kind of go to university. So it was a really big deal. But um, I tracked him down. I don't, I'm trying to remember how I tracked him down, but I, but I That's did. That's awesome. I kind of must have gone through the school, back through West End State School and said, oh, do you know where, because Mr. Ma had left at that stage, and I said, do you know where he's gone? And he'd become a principal in Toowoomba, I think, from memory. And so, you know, and this is, of course, you know, I'm pretty old. Um, this is pre-internet days, pre-email even, really. Um, and so I tracked down the school and I wrote him this really long letter um, just about, you know, how um, inspired I was by him, how much he meant to me as a teacher and an educator. And he wrote back, uh, which was really lovely as well. And he said he was just so proud 
of how far I'd gone, but also really said, you know, it was so kind, but he said, you know, there were a few students who really stood out in his mind and, and he said, you know, you were one of them. And, and it was just a, a lovely connection that we, that we made, um, you know, in, in later, in those later that's days. Beautiful. That's beautiful. And that, that is, that's so Charisse to, to, <laughs> track to, people, like, to track a person down, like to go that extra mile to make sure that that person knew yeah. the impact um, that they, that they had on you. That's yeah. fabulous. You, you were saying to us off air, that he uh, really recognised the the nerdy kids, like he. Yeah. What What were you saying about that? Yeah. So I mean, I think, and I see this in schools, and I and I say this to kids all the time. I think that, you know, there, there's the sporty kids, and there's the musical kids, and there's the the kids that are academic, and I think there's a place for all of them, and I love that when a school really does that, when they celebrate all of the kids, and I think when I was growing up, and you know, this was sort of mid mid-80s and um, there wasn't a real focus on the academic kids that much, uh, I found. Like it was not not that you should be ashamed to be smart, but it was almost a little bit like you downplayed how smart you could be a little bit. Um, and he really um, celebrated the kids who were smart and he would, before there was that, you know, extension classes, which they now offer in a lot of schools, um, he offered that extension to the kids who who wanted to learn more and who wanted to to um, do different things. And so he, you know, he would take us out of class and we would create plays. And you know, he had um, all of these things that he had collected over time. And we created this museum in a basement at the school, and he let us set it up. You know, um, during school time and and those kind of things. And so that's not something that many teachers. Um, would have done for those kids who maybe he could see that you know we were not bored but certainly you know once you've done it you've done it and you're, you you know you've learned it and you're sitting there and you're patiently waiting and he would say no no like let's do more let's yeah. do more and and I love that and that's yeah at a time when yeah I was I was the kind of nerdy kid and and didn't always feel that I could show that about myself necessarily yeah it's a that's hallmark beautiful. of a natural teacher though isn't it looking for that extra thing to teach even though you've done what you have to do you've ticked all the boxes the curriculum is covered what what else can i show these students how else can i grow uh the 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 interest in these students and get them to do something that's that's new and exciting and it's going to engage them and it's fantastic really good thing yeah and it, but it's not it's not as easy i mean that doesn't sound easy but it's not even as easy as that because it's it's not like the rest of the class are just there at the same intellectual clump and then there's you've got this handful of bright kids who want more there's also there's the the other spectrum where there's the the group of kids in the class who've really been struggling to catch on to that concept and need need another 25 repetitions of that to be able to really understand it so the yeah. fact that he was able to do that um, is actually a, a really um, high level teaching ability which is great I think also like I know and I and I hear this from from educators a lot about just how packed the curriculum is these days as well and I do kind of wonder maybe you know back then it wasn't as packed therefore there might have been a chance to do a little bit more I think now I would I I would appreciate that it is much it would be so much harder for teachers to be able to offer 
some of that um, beyond what he was able to do for us. But to be honest, like from memory, like he just let us go. Like I don't even think he was there half the time with us just doing it. Like, you know, like when we were doing the museum stuff, he would just pop down and check in on us every so often, but he was then back in the classroom with all the other kids. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I mean, it's probably, you know, 80s teaching, but, you know, like, oh, they had to send them off. They'll was, be was he smoking a cigarette at the same time? <laughs> he was certainly wearing long socks and shorts, you know. <laughs> Perfect. A short sleeve shirt. Um, yeah, perfect with the tie. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> such a such an eighties teacher look that one, wasn't he, it? He sounds glorious. He does. So I I want to know what um what so you did your communications degree. So you obviously you would have done well at state at state high. You've gone into communications degree. At what stage did you decide to become a politician. Yeah, yeah, not, um, and it's funny, I say to people all the time, especially when they're, you know, I've got a daughter in year 12 who's trying to sort of work out what she's going to do with the rest of her life. And, and I'm like, don't, don't stress about it because I had a plan. I thought, you know, I've got a plan. This is what I'm going to do. So, you know, I did my communications degree. I loved English. And I think partly, again, came from the fact that, you know, for a long, for a while there, I couldn't speak English and couldn't communicate. So that, you know, for me, I just love the English language and I love reading. And um, so I was going to become a book editor. I wanted to work in publishing. I was going to move to London, um, had it all kind of mapped out. And then in my sort of second year of university, um, I had a, I grew up in a family that was um, quite engaged in politics, understood politics. We'd sit around the table and talk about it. But as a teenager, you know, you kind of rebel against the very thing that your that your parents, you know, are, are doing. But when I was about nineteen, I I um, decided I was going to go and just check out the 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 university labour club, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to go check it out. And if I don't like it, I just won't I won't come back. You know, I'll just I'll just see what it's like. There was an election, a federal election coming that I was quite interested in. I really liked Paul Keating, and I thought he was quite an interesting. Interesting because I think he had big policy ideas and I kind of loved that idea of, of, of a politician who actually sometimes maybe not very popular ideas at times but really kind of had a vision for where he thought the nation could go. So I kind of was quite inspired by that. So I thought, well, I'll just turn up. So I turned up to this first meeting um, and the first person I met there was actually Anastasia Palaszczuk, who was in her sort of early 20s at that stage and had come to talk to us about getting involved in this campaign and um and Milton Dick, who is now the federal member for Oxley and is my adjoining federal member, and um, and that was it. I got hooked um, on just on politics and on people and and how it can really, I think government can really change people's lives uh, for the better. Um, it can also change it for the worse. Um, and so um, I got really involved that way and got to the opportunity to work in politics. So I went from, you know, wanting to be a book editor to... Um, to wanting to, um, you know, work in politics and had had the opportunity to do that, loved it. Probably never thought I would do it myself. You know, I always say to people, you know, when you know how the sausage is made, you don't necessarily <laughs> want to want to go into it. Um, but an opportunity came up and I thought, yeah, like, you know, I don't want to have any regrets and I'll give it a go. And if I win, you know, it'll be, it'll be great. Um, but, I, yeah, I never wanted to sort of think, oh, I could have had an opportunity to maybe do something like that and, and didn't take it so yeah and that's kind of the the pathway that kind of led me. that's that's quite a courageous decision though to um to step to really step forward into the the spotlight and and 
knowing that um, not everyone has the same optimistic view of of politics and politicians and mm. so how how was that decision making process yeah um firstly um and i think this is a particular issue for women who want to enter politics mm. because it's about you you've got to think about your family yeah. a lot and so for me um you know my i've got an amazing husband and two teenage daughters now but they were probably i think i think my oldest daughter was maybe 10 going going to be 10 when i decided to do, so it was a it was a family decision we mm. sat down together and said you know and i remember saying to them if you don't want me to do this i will not do it because we we all have to support this um and they were and my husband in particular was very supportive he said to me you know you've you've been doing this for 25 years, you know, politics. Um, and I remember one night he said to me, you know, when are you going to get yourself elected? Mm-hmm. You're getting everyone else elected. When he, and I think that was, it felt like almost that was permission to go, okay, now now I can do this. So family, I think, you know, you have to have the support of your family. These jobs are really hard. Like they're you're away from home a lot. Um, you, you know, your children, you know, my husband does a lot of that day-to-day stuff. Um, so that was really important. And I also took the view um, I'm not here for a long time, uh, and I really uh, believe that. Like, uh, and I, uh, I'm going to do this for a period of time. I'm going to try and be as effective as I can be, and then I'll go do something else. And while I'm there, I'm just going to really do it to the best of my ability. But I'm not seeing this as a 20, 25 year career. Like, this is yeah, I'm here for for here. I'm going to work super hard and uh, and try and achieve what I can in that time. And I yeah. think that's important because otherwise, you know, I, and you see it on all sides of politics, people get quite jaded. Um, it's easier to say no to things. Um, Make that I, your default answer. Yes, because yes. because yeah, yes takes... Um, like, yes takes more energy than, yeah. than a no, actually, to make yeah. something happen. Um, so my, I, you know, and I've got fantastic staff as well, and that's our mantra in Alphas. The, the, the first answer is never no. Like it is, you know, it's always... Let's have a look at this. Let's see whether there, there's something possible. It might not be what exactly what you want, but let's see what we could do. So we never say no um, as a starting point. And I just see that after a while people, and I get it, people get tired and they get a bit worn down by the bureaucracy sometimes, which can be, you know, can happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I go, no, we don't accept no. We go in and we we, we just keep trying until, you know, we, we can get the very best answer for someone. And you, sometimes it is no, but, yeah. it, but it's not for want of trying. Yeah, it's it's not the default answer, um, yeah. just we never even looked at it as, yeah. as a possibility. And I feel like you're in the right, um, it's been a, a perfect um, synergy between you being in the Jordan electorate and it being you being in the Jordan electorate. Um, so give us some stats on the Jordan electorate. It's, yeah. it's pretty uh, phenomenal growth. Yeah, so it was a brand new seat actually that was created in 2017. So I am the inaugural and first member for the seat, um, and it came out of growth. So it did. It was a. It was all about sort of the growth. So we're in a really interesting growth corridor. I um, I kind of take in Greater Springfield, which is you know obviously a master planned community expected to grow to about a hundred and I think they're saying 140,000 now um, just there. And then I've also got Greater Flagstone uh, in the Logan area. And that's, again, another about 138,000 people expected to 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 be in that in that in that region. So it's it's where it's a lot of young families. It's a lot of people um, setting up their lives, new home, you know, first homes. 
Um, uh, we've got one of the youngest electorates, so the average age of the Jordan electorates around 29, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is quite young. Um, uh, and so, and a lot of children uh, in the electorate. So a lot of young kids um, in the electorate, hence why we've got a lot of schools yeah. <laughs> in the Jordan electorate. Um, and it's it's a lot of it is about good planning and about infrastructure. To, um, and for me as well, it's this idea that, you know, if living out in the outer metropolitan areas of Brisbane, because maybe it is more affordable, should not then deny you some of the services, yeah. things that, that you might get in the inner city. And I grew up in the inner city. So, you know, I, I've had that world and it's been wonderful, but I go, everyone should be afforded that opportunity, even if you'd live, you know, 45 minutes or an hour out of the of Brisbane Absolutely. CBD. Yeah. And I, I see that in your leadership. It's beautiful. Oh, how do you manage those, those <laughs> differing you know, requirements? So you've got a growing population there uh, and you've got a lot of um, schools how do you invest in the next stage of this this growing young population through uh, jobs and, and uh, developing you know, uh, reasons for them to stay in the area and grow it? Yeah, that's the one thing people don't. Um, it's it's probably the most important to me is that um, ensuring that we have local employment because if we can stop people from having to commute to Brisbane all the time. I think it's not only good in terms of obviously congestion, um, but also just good for people's well-being. You know, who wants to sit in traffic for an hour there and back every day? And so it's actually, you know, you might get home a bit earlier, spend some time with your kids, go for a walk, you know, do do something. So that that the the job aspect is particularly important, and that's still very. We're just really just just really starting that in an area like Springfield. We've done a lot of the development in a sense, but. The, the for me it's it's why we you know we're building a new public hospital uh, in Greater Springfield now that's important from a healthcare perspective but it's also an incredible job generator um, that it's going and, and not only just at the hospital but then the health services that will surround it and you know all of those things so um, so that is really important looking you've got to keep kind of always looking ahead about what's next um, and that makes it an exciting electorate I have to tell you like. You know, I talk to some of my colleagues who are in more established electorates where it's all built, like there's really not a lot more that they're going to be able to do necessarily, whilst for us it's, you know, there's always going to be more, like, you know, new roads and new schools and, you know, more health services and more social services. Um, and I and I love that, that idea. Um, the social services is the, probably the other key area that I'm particularly focused on because everyone focuses on the, that hard infrastructure. But what's the safety net for people who are maybe struggling or, you know, there may be issues um, going on and there's social issues everywhere. Um, and I think in new areas like mine, they're not always as well established. So that's been a real focus for me. How do we actually get some of the social services, whether it's domestic and family violence services in our area or whether it's, you know, even getting GPs can be a bit of a struggle sometimes in areas like ours. So that's the other thing as well. I think everyone always wants to focus on the roads and the infrastructure, but I go, actually, I I, I think that if we can get that the social services right, that's actually a really big part of um, of how this area can thrive. And particularly because it's so it's so new and we there is so much research now on 
on how important those social services are and have them set up from the very beginning so that people can feel safe and know that they're there to access them oh. and access them proactively rather than in and also reactively. Uh, so, like I said, I think it's just been a, a perfect combination of this yeah. this new new electorate and having somebody so vibrant and innovative coming in and being able to to lead it. Yeah, but also. You know, my my kind of tagline is working with our community because I also know I don't have all the answers, you know, and I've always kind of I'm really honest with people about that. And I think there are people in the community who do incredible work. And I, and I guess one of my favourite things is when you connect one group with another group and go, actually, you're both doing this incredible work um, separately. How about you come together and and let's make it even bigger and better? And that that connecting piece is a wonderful part of being a member of parliament because you do get to meet so many people and being engaged with so many organizations that you kind of hover above and can see like chess pieces that you can actually who who can I yeah who can I connect with with the next person yeah Yeah, and I that's you know that's actually one of my favorite things to do is to go you know I, I can't do it all myself but how can I bring people with me um, who I know are amazing and, and are doing this stuff anyway, but need maybe a little bit more help or a bit of a push. And yeah, and we do that. We do that connecting, and uh, and it's that's the best actually. Yeah. yeah, and you obviously need to be a real people person for that to be able to get out there and know everybody's story to be able to actually know how to make those connections. Yeah, and I love people. Like, and I, you know, um, I get a real buzz. Uh, it's funny. Like, I'll go to an event at night and I'll come home and I'm. I'm like really buzzing and my husband's like, oh, Sharice, it's like 9.30, like go to bed. And I'm like, no, no, but I just meant X and they told me Y and it was so exciting. And and he's like, yeah, settle, settle down. um, So I I do and, I yeah, I love it. Like it's just, you know, and I think I – I know a lot of politicians who aren't, like who are introverts, and I think it's that extra, and I feel for them because it, it's they do it, but it's that extra effort, obviously, that also has to come from putting yourself out there. Um, whilst I don't, I don't have that issue. <laughs> yeah, it's recharging your batteries as you're doing it, yeah. as opposed to them coming home and saying, "Hey, I just need silence for yeah. for a, the next twelve hours so I can put myself back together before That's I throw right. myself back out there again." That's right. Yeah. And so, so what? Um, so it's interesting that you're saying that you're around. It's this is more of a a short, spectacular time that you want to be around for, rather than the the long career politician, which disappoints me actually, because I <laughs> I would be happily waving the um, Sharice for um, Prime Minister banner. Yeah. Um, so what? So why not that? What do you think? we need in our prime minister what what do, what do we need what do, what does australia need right now yeah um i think like obviously you want people who are there not not there for themselves right um and but the truth is you can only do that that's i do think you can only do that for a, a certain period of time because you do put your life really on hold for a certain like i you know i certainly feel that you you do that um, and I don't know how fair that is also on an individual. Like we are normal people and I think sometimes people forget that, you know. I've got, you know, I've got two beautiful daughters um, that I'm raising with my husband and, um, and I, you know, and that's hard sometimes to kind of reconcile the fact that I'm not there all the time and, and to be there for them. Um, and, you know, you're, you're in health your own health, you know, your own health as well. Like, you know, making appointments to go see the dentist or, you know, that they sometimes go by the wayside. So 
Um, so that's why I think that when the the best politicians are those who, yes, they do commit the, their full self to to it, um, but but they also know when it's time to when it's time to get out. Yeah, uh, because yeah. they do yeah. become you know a bit jaded and a bit, and that's what you know when I look at. You know, Anthony Albanese said, you know, it was sort of interesting. He said, we're not going to waste a day in government. And, you know, they came in like with a lot of energy. Um, and I think he's a bit like that. He goes, "This is, we've got a certain amount of time and we've just got to, you know, we've got to do our very best. And and I think that's where it's, uh, that's what works, I think, really well. And I think people see it. I think people are really smart in our communities these days uh, around politics and they can see when someone's just phoning it in, yeah. um, and and someone who's actually really engaged and wanting to to make I think that's, change. That's really um, yeah. absolutely right. I mean, we want people there who are energized and fired up and want to do things, and that takes a lot of effort. That takes a lot of, you know, you're in the public sphere all the time. It must be very draining, and I can imagine that you want to give a hundred percent, and then you know you might want to step step back and and do something something different. Yeah. Yeah, and you can you can. Um, I think that there's you know you uh, you know I'd, my my favorite thing would be you know I can't wait to retire and just volunteer. Like I think that would be just so awesome, you know, to be able to just do some of those things. But but also politics is different these days. When I first started working in it, you know, there was no social media, um, there was no mobile phones. To be honest, I mean, I we used to page our ministers on a pager, you know, if we needed to reach out to them. So social media makes it acceptable for people I think sometimes to be quite um, negative um, and and cruel um, and I think if you focus too much on that it can wear you down mm-hmm. so I tend to and, and that's not to say I get a lot of good feedback on social media I get a real sense of what the community's thinking on issues uh, but you can do that in a really you can do that in a way that's you know productive and not not just nasty. Um, and so that can wear you down a bit, I think, that side of, of, of politics these days because everyone's got an opinion. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone can air it nowadays as well, yeah. And it's similar in, in lots of ways to teaching because everyone has an opinion on education and teaching because they've all been to school. So everybody knows um, in, their, in their minds, everyone knows as much about teaching and education as, as a a qualified teacher does because they've been I've been to school I know the answer to this I know the fix to this um until we all had to teach our children through COVID uh, yes. <laughs> and then we were like oh my, God. <laughs> oh my gosh they're the most incredible people I've ever met like that was hard like I yeah, yeah. and that I think and I do think people did realize that actually when they had to actually sit and and teach their own children they actually yeah. went oh hang on a minute <laughs> because really teachers um Teachers spend more engaged time with, well, I, I guess I speak for myself here. So so my son Xavier's teachers spend more time engaging him every day than what I do, most yeah. definitely, because when he comes home, we have a chat and then, and then we sit beside each other and we don't do anything and we eat dinner and we have a chat, but it's not all about engaging him. Yeah. And then we'll go off in different directions. And on the weekends, his sports coaches engage him and, and it's not me. So I, I, I spend very little time actually compared to those teachers who are 70 in 70 minute blocks yes. having to engage him, hopefully for every minute of that time. Right. I expect them to be engaging him for every single minute of those 70 minute blocks, mm-hmm. which is 
which is outrageous. I can't do that with my own son. So they don't know him as well as I. So why am I, as I'm actually verbalising that right now, that's that's really really harsh. And I'm a teacher. Um, So so in lots of ways, like similar to a politician, because we expect the world, we expect the world from our politicians. We expect Mm -hmm. you to be able to make this, this country greater than it is right now and solve all the problems. One great thing, so obviously um, Whitey and I are on holidays right now, so the great thing about teaching is that we we do, we can be spectacular for 10 weeks and then we can go and hibernate for two weeks and piece ourselves back together. Um, we always get sick, teachers always get sick in the holidays and then and that's just the body gets used to working extremely yes. hard and then piecing back together, And which is why those holiday breaks are so absolutely imperative for teachers so that we can be spectacular for 10 weeks it's different for politicians you don't have um it kind of does like you don't have the weekends often to piece yourself back together and to recharge it does seem like it's a it's a 24 7 365 day a year kind of job I think it is um and look you can it, it there is a freedom to it though as well because you are almost your own boss so you can kind of set you can set your own hours in a sense. If you're if you're like me, you just, you know, you get mofo, so you want to do everything, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, I want to do everything. My staff are really great sometimes. Like if there's, say there's a Sunday and there's this just one event that comes into the diary and it's, it's, it's good but it's, you know, it's not going to be something that I de- desperately need to go to, they will say to me, no, you're not doing that. You're going to have the day off. Like you are actually going to you know, have some time off. And they, they've been really wonderful to help me with with just managing myself more than anything. Um, but you're right, like you do need you do need a little bit of that downtime yourself, you know, just to recharge and, and you know, usually for us it's over that Christmas period just because it is quieter uh, for us and everyone's kind of away. Um, and I love it because it actually allows me, I get very then creative because you've got the time to think. Mm. But for me it's like, okay, what are we going to do this year? We're going to do this and we're going to yeah. do that. So that I find I need that. I need the downtime because it actually helps me be more creative. Yeah, definitely. In terms of my life and, and in terms of what I want to do in, in, in the electorate. Yeah. Um, you do. I, Your brain needs to be able to go quiet um, yeah. for a bit to be able to, to, to have that creative, creativity really to be sparked. Yeah. So I, so I do try um, and I am trying to be a bit better at kind of being a little bit more kind to myself yeah, around some of those things as well and take a day off every so often and and not not feel guilty uh, yeah, about, yeah. about it all. Like on yeah. Sunday I've got three events, right? So it's not, you know, it's not like I should feel guilty um, that, you know, and occasionally I might take a, you know, a, a, a half day off or something. And, and, and frankly, you need it and the, the electorate of Jordan needs you to do that as yeah. well yeah. because you've just said you're not going to be here um forever you're going to be here for a sparkly period of time but for it to be really sparkly you yeah. you've got to give yourself a chance to have those quiet moments yeah. to rest and because we want to elongate that um that that time that you're that sparkly time that you're going to be here yeah. anyway yeah so i don't have any you know it's so funny you, you do hear particularly around about teachers you know they go oh but they get all these holidays and i just go i do not begrudge <laughs> teachers their their breaks because it's intense. Like yeah. I, you know, there is no way that uh, that I, you know, I could could do that. I've got a sister who's a uh, sister in law who's just become a teacher in the last few years, and um, she's loving it. But I can see that it's it's actually 
like hard. Like, yeah. Well, because we're we're literally changing lives every day. Every moment is is really important. It's it's a big moral responsibility, and um, and it's we have the most amazing moments that we we can you can have with children and and the and having an impact on them. But then you need to rest. You've got to let your brain be able to go quiet. And in those ten weeks during the term, there is no chance for quiet brain brain time at all. No. No, I get it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, the, that's what this podcast is all about. It's all about um, celebrating the profession and the, the great bits, acknowledging that it's not an easy job. So if you, if you want an easy job, don't, don't become a teacher. Yeah. But if you want a spectacular job, come and become a teacher. Yeah. Uh, and, and fellow teachers never begrudge uh, their fellow teachers their two weeks holiday after every 10 week block because they know just how hard they are working during that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're also drained. I mean, we all, we're also drained at, at the end of every term, right? Like mm-hmm. even as parents, I just, I'm just like, I just need two weeks off from making lunches. Good yeah. <laughs> just, you know, and then from just checking that, you know, everyone's got what they oh, need. And timelines and, and yeah, checklists. Yeah. Absolutely. Just that lovely period of being able to, you know, it's been lovely to just have these last few weeks, you know, the Easter break to be able to just, and you just see your kids decompressing as well. And I think that's really nice as well. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, Why do you had a question about the maiden speech? Yes, yes. Uh, Sherry, I did, I went back and and read your maiden speech and I noticed that you quoted Gavafi. And I'm wondering, are you any closer to understanding what Ithacas mean? Oh, yeah, look, not yet. Um, I think I'm getting there. Um, and I think that was interesting. Like, so Gavafi was partly because I actually do love the, po- the, the poem, but, but also it's, it was my, it's my father's favourite um, poet and I really wanted to honour Dad who really was very inspirational to me in terms of politics because he's, you know, he's really the guide for me. Um, but I think I wanted to put that question out there that I didn't come with a single purpose and that I, you know, I wanted almost like the electric to shape what my journey was going to be. Um, and I still think I probably will know towards the end of that journey, um, but I still have a little bit more time to go. So I, I'm not I'm not quite there yet, um, but I'm certainly starting to get a sense of why why I'm doing this and um, and why I've been put Put into this very privileged position um, to be able to to be a, an elected representative in the par- mm. in a parliament, um, which I never take for granted because not many people get to do it, and so we are we are really lucky uh, to be able to do that. But yeah, not quite there yet. I'm not quite sure what 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 it what it is. Um, but but I, I I will definitely I think know in the next the first step. While. The first step to knowing there is asking go. the question. So I love that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, which leads me back to uh, to Mr. Ma, who uh, who taught me that, you know, that that was, that was all about asking the questions and uh, and listening really carefully as well. Love it, love it. Um, all right, we could talk to you all day, but you've actually um, probably got nineteen other appointments um, today. So we want to finish with the alphabet game. If you're willing to play the alphabet game against yes, Mr. White, awesome. Let's hear what Monty has to say. Play alphabet game. Excellent. Thank you, Monty. Um, I could also hear him screaming through yes, the door just before, Mr. Mr. White. So. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. 
Oh, I could hear the. Uh, he's put a dumbbell against the door, Sharice. Um, it's all so, good. I have a teenage daughters. So I'm at home at the moment, but they're both still asleep, as you can imagine. So that's oh, I can't wait for those days. Yes, Mr. Mr. White's Mr. White's been up for six years now, so yeah. he has he hasn't slept for that long. I remember. All right, so we're going to play the alphabet game. So I'm going to na- ask you to name something in a category, and then I will give you a letter. It's going to be best of three. Um, so you just need to call out your answer. So let's begin. Let's go with best of three. Best of three, yes. Best of three. Okay. Best of three, yes. All right. Name a snack starting with F. Um, Fries. Fred. Nice price. All right, Mr. White, he's off to he's off to a start. Okay. Um, all right, here we go. One nil. All right, name a Queensland electorate starting with M. McAllister. Oh, mm. Indeed. Hello. You were never getting it. Hey, you lived in you lived in Brisbane. You could have is Mount Gravatt a um. Not anymore. Used to be. What electorate's that? Oh, it's changed now. You probably it would have been it's Cooper now. Right. Um, but probably would have been like Paddington okay. or something like that, maybe mm. once. All right. <laughs> what what are we ready? Feeling the pressure here. <laughs> oh. Um all right. It's got to be good. All right. Oh, oh no! It's really, it's really not that good. All right, I'm just trying to pick my, um, pick my appropriate one. All right, name. Um, what is the best name for a Labrador starting with C? Charlie. Oh, there we go. Um, I think. Goodness. I think I think goodness. that was a little biased. <laughs> Always let the guests win. I'm yet to salute you. I'm, I'm yet to claim victory, but I got I got pretty close there. But, you, you did, you did. But, uh, you know, well I think, uh, Impressive. I think the right person won. Well done. That's <laughs> work. All right. Um, so, Cherise, how can anybody reach out to you, or is there anything that you're um, that you have in your calendar coming up that you would like to to promote to um, teachers uh, or the listeners on Teachers Change Lives podcast? Uh, something that I have got coming up that I'm really always excited about is that um, I do a, a PNC, PNF networking night, and that's going to be coming up soon because I also love the parents who do where they can be really engaged in their schools. Um, and so that's something that and the, the PNCs love it because they love actually getting together and actually, again, that connection of being able to get together. So that's something that um, I've got coming up. Something else that I've got coming up that's really important to me um, is I instigated a domestic and family violence vigil in our electorate, um, particularly around Greater Springfield, to raise awareness around domestic and family violence, which is very prevalent in our communities. Um, and so this is a remembrance night that we have around the um, the Greater Springfield Lagoon, around the Orion Lagoon, and it's a beautiful night and that's going to be held on the 4th of May and we get we invite the entire community to come along 
to something like that. So it's really important to me um, and I get a lot of support for it through our community, um, but it's that constant reminder that, that sadly this, this issue continues to prevail in our, in our communities. I'm going to love it. We're not sweeping it under the rug. We're, we're going to name it and we're going to address it all together. Excellent. And I will most certainly be at that event. So um, thank you very much. All right, Mr. White, uh, another um, very privileged interview that we've yeah. we've got to Great. be able to do. So thank, thank you very much, Cherise. Uh, um, is there any, so how do people reach out to us, well, Mr. White? Via email on teacherschangelivespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on the TikTok and the Facebook and all the other things on the interwebs. Is that right? Excellent. Exactly. On the interwebs. Correctly. Yes. Uh, Excellent. Teachers Change Lives podcast is what you can put into pretty much anything and find us. Uh, As we heard from Sharice today, uh, Mr. Ma made a big difference in her life. We want people to keep on reaching out to us and naming and faming their amazing teachers. And we want all of those people out there listening and considering teaching to choose teaching because it really is the best profession in the world where we get to create all other professions. So, and, and Sharice told that story beautifully today about Mr. Marin and the impact that he's um, had on, on the electorate of Jordan because of uh, him being such a great teacher. So thank you again to, uh, to our guest Sharice and thank you, Mr. White for the work that you're doing with your children, keeping them out of that room today um, and the work that you're going to do by taking them to the playground now and um, and letting them yes, run wild. To. Thank you, Mrs. Angel. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, and I'll see, we'll see everybody next week. So um, take care of your kids in your classrooms and keep tuning in. Bye, All right, everyone. Bye, everyone. See you, Cherise. Bye. Thank you. Riverside.